Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Creating a Family. Talk about infertility and adoption. Today's show will be on lowering the cost of IVF. We're a weekly radio show podcast, and to make sure that you automatically hear about each episode, you can subscribe to our show at either iTunes or on the radio page of our website, creatingafamily.org slash radio show. I'm Dawn Davenport. I'm the director of Creating a Family. We are the National Infertility and Adoption Education Organization, providing support and unbiased information before, during, and after adoption or fertility treatments to help create strong families. You can find us online at creatingafamily.org. The Creating a Family radio show is proud to say that we are underwritten by our corporate sponsor, Faring Pharmaceutical. Faring has a Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, which helps patients, both cash-paying and insured, save money on their fertility medications. To get more information on the Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, you can talk to your doctor, or you can visit the Faring website at faringfertility.com. To get specifically to the Heart Plus Pharmacy Savings Card, you would do slash heart. Or I guess you could also call them at 1-888-FARING, F-E-R-R-I-N-G. This show, as well as all the resources provided by Creating a Family, could not happen without the generous support from our gold sponsors who believe in our mission of providing support and unbiased information to the fertility patient community. I'd like to mention a few of them right now. We have... uh, Cryos International, which is a New York sperm bank, which are part of the world's largest international network of sperm banks. Cryos New York offers donor semen and semen storage services with the ability to ship specimen to more than 65 countries. We also have Reproductive Medicine Associates of New Jersey. They have been a recognized scientific and patient care leader in the field of infertility. They have seven offices in New Jersey, and they maintain IVF delivery rates well above the national average. Yeah, as I mentioned, today's show, we're going to be talking about how to lower the cost of IVF. Uh, IVF and other fertility treatments are expensive and, quite frankly, are often not covered by health insurance. Our guest today to talk about lowering the cost will be two pioneers in the field of fertility medicine. We have Dr. Joe Massey. He is a reproductive endocrinologist at Serving Massey Fertility Institute with offices in Atlanta and Augusta, Georgia. He was involved with the first ICSI pregnancy in the the U.S., the first egg freezing in the U.S., and the world's first successful assisted hatching procedure. Currently, or actually for the past couple of years, he has been involved in introducing low-cost IVF in the southeastern part of this country. I should also mention that he is on the board of creating a family, which I am sure would be his highest and best achievement and the one he would desperately want me to mention right now. We also have Dr. Frank Yellian. He is an MD-PhD reproductive endocrinologist with Life IVF Center in Irvine, California. He specializes in minimal stimulation IVF and natural cycle IVF. Welcomes Drs. Yellian and Dr. Massey to Creating a Family. Thank Thank you you very much. much. Thank you for having me. 
Well, uh, the reason I wanted you both on the panel for today's show when we're going to be talking about lowering costs is that you both have you have two different approaches uh, to lowering the cost. So I, I'm going to start, Dr. Gellian, uh, as I mentioned in your introduction, you specialize in uh, natural cycle and minimal stimulation IVF. So I think we're going to start start with you. And I'd like to start with natural cycle IVF. Um, and, and, of course, if we're going to be talking about it, we need to first define it. What is natural cycle IVF? So-called natural cycle IVF is uh, uh, mimic the natural conception, So, which means that we do not use any fertility medication. So monitor uh, patient follicle development, and then prior of uh, ovulation, we are doing uh, a regular egg retrieval and uh, obtain usually one egg, and using her partner's sperm to fertilize the egg and make create embryo. So we typically transfer embryo on day five, which is one embryo reaches the blastest. We do single embryo transfer, so result pregnancy. So that's a typical called a natural cycle IVF. All right, so the the key here is that you monitor egg development, but you do not stimulate egg development with fertility medications. Am I understanding you right? Exactly. All right. Now, I'm assuming that this is an option for some people and not an option for others. So for whom would this type of of treatment be the, the be a logical choice? So for the natural cycle IVF, uh, the most uh, the, the appropriate candidate are three group of patients. The first group patients who are usually younger patients, and they're usually younger than 36 or 37 years old, and uh, those patients are typically healthy. And the only reason they have uh, fertility issues is because of uh, either tubal dysfunction or tubal blockage or has a male factor in fertility. So those patients are best candidate for the natural cycle IVF because if without the tubal disease or her partner's sperm issues, they should be conceived naturally without any help. The second group of most benefit for the natural cycle IVF are those patients who are more advanced maternal age or has diminished ovarian reserve. This patient usually typical the elevated FSH level and the very low AMH level. So those patients, no matter how much medication you give to them, they only produce one or two egg. And the more medication you give, and the poor egg quality. So for those patients, uh, are also very good for the natural cycle IVF. The third group of patients who are used to be uh, good for natural cycle IVF are those patients who has uh, either family history or her own has uh, cancer, such as uh, the breast cancer or uterine cancer. So especially patients who has uh, either family history cancer and some patients are afraid of using any fertility drug could potentially cause cancer. And also people, they like have a more natural uh, lifestyle. So in this is a third group of patients who are most suitable for natural cycle IVF. Okay, I wanted to talk with you about the, I think it's uh, the, the the patients that have tubal dysfunction or male factor. Um, it's the the issue is not really involved. It's it's a, a physical cause where there's a blockage that makes sense, or there's nothing wrong with them, uh, but they need uh, IVF because they need uh, um, the uh, because of their husband's sperm uh, quality. That makes sense. Um, I think what a lot of people don't realize is uh, uh, what you were talking about with advanced maternal age. I am always interested in uh, the lack of knowledge out there that, um, in fact, more and more medication, there's a great deal of research that would indicate that 
increasing the amount of medication does not necessarily increase egg production when women reach uh, when they're starting to uh, uh, the, uh, age-related uh, fertility issues. Um, and did I summarize that well? Is that is that what the research is showing? Yes, it, exactly. Because, uh, uh, for example, I have a, recently have a patient who uh, is 43 years old and uh, uh, the Korean uh, woman, and she originally came from Korea. And she's 43 years old. Her average level is 23. And uh, both ovary only have one follicle. And uh, I believe if this patient goes to see any other fertility specialist, if they're using uh, gonadal chopping injection, I believe this uh, no follicle can get. And But that's just uh, one case, and we uh, just monitor her and without any fertility drug and uh, get uh, when the follicle reaches about the 18 millimeter, we uh, trigger her then to do egg retrieval and uh, collecting one egg and using her husband's sperm to make an embryo and the chance for this embryo she results pregnancy and the baby are delivered. So uh, this is one typical example. So when the woman, uh, when they're getting uh, older and also average level higher, usually higher than 15, <coughs> these patients are not responding to the uh, fertility medication very well. But why, why then even do egg retrieval and the, uh, the uh, why not just uh, IUI at that point, you know, a well-timed IUI? What it, why, have you compared, is it more successful to uh, remove the egg and combine the egg and the sperm outside the body and then transfer it back in. Is that more successful than just doing a IUI at that point? That's a very good question. And uh, because of uh, uh, IUI, is, uh, we already, historically we know IUI successfully is very low. It's only about 10 to 15%. And one woman over 40 and the chance to even drop to about 5 to 10%. The reason of this such a low of a uh, pregnancy rate for the IUI is because of there's so many uncertainty because your IUI you depends on the uh, not just ovulation and also depends on the fallopian tube functioning and uh, if uh, any way of a blockage from fallopian tube or tube functions not so well so then tube cannot capture the egg so and also we recently have noticed when the woman ovulating and the theoretically you thought the egg is already ovulated but very quite often, when, especially when we do more natural cycle IVF, we realize that when the follicle collapses, and if I still see the little bit of fluid inside, if I put the needle inside, aspirate the fluid, quite often I still cannot get an egg. So which means that sometimes people thought they ovulated, but they still have a trapped egg inside of a follicle. So this is an example. So this is if you do IUI, so the patient with the, uh, not a truly ovulated, and also the floating tube is not able to get, uh, capture the egg. And for those patients, the IUI does not work at all. So with the IVF, you for sure you retrieve the egg, and you for sure the egg has been fertilized by the uh, sperm, and for sure the embryo developed blastus, and the chance of uh, conceive of the same woman, the chance at least three times higher than the IUI. You said three times higher. Okay, so, well, all right, so it's definitely... All right, and uh, the last group you mentioned, you mentioned three groups, younger women with either tubal or uh, male factor. Uh, second group was advanced maternal age. Uh, basically, they're not going to produce many eggs regardless of the amount of, of uh, medication you give. And the last group you mentioned was a family history of cancer. Um, has there been research linking the use of fertility medications, the ovulatory stimulating medications, with an increased risk of cancer if you have a, a propensity towards it or have already had cancer? Uh, there's no solid evidence yet. 
and because uh, uh, there's still the time of life of uh, uh, people studying using of uh, fertility medication still have a short period of time, and uh, as uh, the first IVF only 35 years old. And uh, uh, but for how how this is, uh, for the long term impact is still unknown. And plus, uh, uh, for those patients who already have a breast cancer, and uh, so if you know a woman has breast cancer, if uh, you treated her with all the fertility drugs, and which make her uh, estradiol level sky high, and uh, for example, with the uh, natural cycle IVF, uh, estradiol level usually about the 200 to 300 picogram per milliliter. But if this patient with the conventional stimulation, and her estradiol level could, could reach about 2,000 to 3,000 picogram per milliliter. So the estradiol level almost 10 times net, uh, higher than the natural uh, hormone level. So those kind of high level, we all know the breast cancer is uh, estrogen dependent. So when you have increased estrogen level, so the chance of this, uh, the breast cancer could be uh, more uh, increase the risk of metastasis or can increase the re uh, return, and it's uh, also, also the probability to be higher. So for that woman has a concern and of uh, her breast cancer may spread or may get more serious. And for those patients that are using natural cycle IVF, certainly would be a good choice. But I do know that we've done a number of shows on, on conception after cancer. Um, and when I have asked these show, on these shows if, uh, if women who have had uh, and I don't specifically remember if I've asked if it's estrogen-dependent uh, cancer, when I've asked on the show if they should avoid uh, fertility drugs, um, I, I've not. My memory is that I haven't necessarily gotten the answer that the answer is yes that that they should, and that's why I was wondering: is this new research or is this more uh, uh, being uh, cautious because common sense would indicate that it's a possibility? I think at this point, I seem uh, cautious, and I don't think uh, there's a very strong evidence and the fertility drugs would be cause cancer at this point. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, I do understand what you're saying, and it seems to me that there is a, a common sense element here that would say if you have an estrogen-dependent cancer, uh, pumping your body and changing the hormones in your body uh, wouldn't make sense. I get that. Um, Completely, in fact. Um, but I just didn't want to frighten people who would be listening to this who are uh, planning on going forward with uh, uh, IVF uh, using the gonadotropins. I didn't want to um, make, you know, insert fear here that's unnecessarily. Um, well, the, you know, the gold standard for any treatment is success rate. So I am sure that you've done some, some uh, or have read other studies as well. Um, but also in your own practice, how does natural cycle IVF success rates, and, and by success, I guess we have to define it, let's, uh, and let's define that live baby birth, um, uh, how do they compare with traditional IVF? So in general, the uh, live birth per cycle of uh, natural cycle IVF, not as good as uh, conventional IVF. And the reason is obvious, because uh, natural cycle IVF, you only have uh, one egg to work with. And uh, so you only have dealing with one embryo. So overall, the success rate is not as good as conventional IVF. However, if you talk about the accumulated pregnancy rate uh, for three natural cycle IVF, it's almost the same as one conventional IVF, if not better. Oh, so, which means okay. uh, uh, it typically for the one natural cycle IVF, 
the one cycle natural cycle IVF, let's see, is a woman as 35 years old, her chance of a, a pregnancy is could be between 35 to 40 percent. But if you do two cycles, could reach about 50 to 55 percent. If you do three natural cycle IVF, accumulated pregnancy should be reached by 60 to 70 percent. Interesting. Now, and if so, why would somebody choose to go through? Three natural cycles uh, in comparison to the one traditional cycle, which I guess another way of asking that would be what are some of the advantages that would lead somebody to consider that it would be well worth considering the three, up to three, you know, to get the same success rate that they would have with uh, one uh, traditional cycle? Many reasons. The first fall, and uh, because of people afraid of using medication, and uh, although as we talked earlier, uh, the risk of the, uh, the medication could cause cancer is still unknown. But and uh, for the medication, uh, since you use this medication, and the people has to do daily injection, and uh, when you talk about daily injection for the granular chopping, uh, 300 to uh, 600 uh, units of the granular choppings, and for uh, eight to 12 days of injection. But with natural cycle IVF, you do not need any, any injections. So basically, the woman uh, does not need to be exposed to any fertility drugs. And for those people who would like to live the uh, lifestyle with other medication, and that's certainly a good option for them. And uh, obviously, uh, for the patient that you are with uh, um, more medication, and obviously you get more egg, and per cycle, your chance of success will be a little bit higher. But because of use medication, you'll be ends up of, of the side effect of medication, especially with the ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, and that could be uh, fairly significant for the patient's health. But with natural cycle IVF, we'll be having no uh, the ovarian hyperstimulation for this patient. And uh, that's the one. Number two, and the cost. And for the natural cycle IVF, I think that's what today's topic. With natural cycle IVF, and in our center, and the one natural cycle IVF is less than five thousand dollars, and the ten, uh, the three cycle of natural cycle IVF is cost less than ten thousand dollars. So the, with the uh, less than ten thousand dollars and doing three cycle of natural cycle IVF, which is result the same kind of pregnancy rate, and many people would prefer for this option. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, if you have a, a three cycles of natural, it's less than 10,000, which is less than most uh, of the traditional uh, IVF uh, things. Uh, hang on just one minute. Uh, Dr. Massey, our sound people are telling me they are picking up your breathing very strongly through oh. your mic. So they would okay. asking, they keep sending me a note. So. If you could, uh, if you could keep that away, that would make them very happy. One of the questions, uh, Doctor Yellian, that I have is, I've been fascinated by, and this is not brand new news. This has been, we've been seeing research for the last year or so on this, of uh, that, in fact, with traditional IVF cycles, they think that that the, not they think, I should say, that the success rates for frozen embryo transfers is as high as, if not higher, than fresh embryo transfers. I am fascinated by that because it's something that very few people outside of the medical community, the, in other words, the patient community, that message has not gotten out. And I'm also, so in, in a way, it's, it's kind of an, uh, it's not what you would naturally think. And so we're really trying to help spread that word. I'm also fascinated by it because of the, uh, of the reasons uh, that they're seeing this. 
And when we have discussed this on air with other experts, it seems like the most logical reason that they are anticipating that, in fact, that the frozen embryo transfers are having a higher success rate than with fresh transfers is because of the way that the infertility medications typically taken in an IVF cycle affect the uterine lining. Um, and I am guessing that that's a, another advantage to a natural cycle because you would not be affecting the uterine lining negatively with the medications. Have you seen that? Is this question for Dr. Massey or is it for me? I'm sorry, it's for you. I apologize. No, I didn't. I, I could see how that was confusing, but no, I meant it for you. Okay. So uh, for last few years, and uh, many fertility centers have moved uh, towards a fresh embryo transfer to a frozen embryo transfer. And uh, the advantage for frozen embryo transfer has the following, because uh, first of all, and, uh, we, when you use a fresh transfer, because we use a high-dose medication, and the patient will produce a very high estradiol level and almost uh, 10 times higher than the physiological estradiol level. And the people believe this high estradiol level is not the physiological and is not a very uh, the good uh, environment for embryo implant. And plus, uh, during the, uh, the fresh cycle, when the embryo grow in the uh, lab, sometimes take uh, five days, six days, even seven days for those embryos reach the blastest. So if you transfer those embryo, uh, the, uh, day six embryo, to the uh, uterus, and the most likely this embryo will not result in pregnancy. However, if you uh, freeze this day six or day seven embryo, then transfer in the following cycle at the day five, which is more synchronized of the embryo development and the endometrium. So those embryo are very likely to be result in pregnancy. So this is why uh, the frozen embryo transfer is better than fresh transfer. In the last uh, uh, 10, 15 years before that is because of uh, most of the center using slow freezing and because the freezing technology is not the uh, most suitable for embryo surviving freeze and thaw process. But now almost most of uh, IVF center using uh, vitrification, which uh, embryo surviving from frozen and the thaw process uh, almost uh, reached 99%. So for that, freezing and thaw no longer become an issue. So because of that, and the uh, frozen embryo transfer has a much more potential to be successful in the future for many of the centers. And for the natural cycle IVF example, we have been sowing. But for the natural cycle IVF, it's an exception. And because it is a natural cycle, and you are not using any fertility drugs, and for those women, you can use the fresh transfer because without a medication, her environment is still the same, and the hormone level impact is very physiological. So those patients, we do suggest using fresh transfer. And at least the conditions, the embryo has to make it a blast on day five instead of day six. If on day five the embryo did not make blasts, we then we freeze the embryo. Yeah. Okay. So you're waiting if, if, because day six basically is just off cycle for the woman, and the uh, the uterine lining is is not as receptive at that on on, on day six as it is on day five. Am I understanding you correctly as to why? Exactly, and because the, the embryo implantation, there's an implantation window, so the window have a very specific time. So if you pass this window, and we will be freeze the embryo transfer in the following cycle. Okay, yeah, gotcha. All right, now I want to talk a little about um, uh, with Dr. Massey about his approach, and then Dr. Yellian will come back to you and talk about minimal stimulation, also known as mini stem or whatever uh, IVF. All right, Dr. Massey, 
your clinic um, has been um, experimenting and has really been a leader in reducing uh, the cost of IVF. What uh, what approach does your clinic take, and, and other clinics who who are following your model or you're following their model, whatever, are, what are they taking in order to reduce the cost? It's very simple. Our, our approach is to go ahead and do IVF. Um, I understand the 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 people's concern about the drugs. Um, from two standpoints. Some people are just anxious about the drugs in general and the possible side effects, and the other concern is about their cost. Uh, but the drugs are wonderful. The drugs really, <laughs> the drugs really have made IVF possible, um, and the vast majority of people who achieve a pregnancy. Uh, Go ahead and do full IVF, and um, we can get back later in a discussion to try to f- to try to figure out if what Dr. Yellian's doing is really cost effective. But but it, it would always any kind of cost effective analysis would always be compared to some other standard, probably probably a higher cost standard. So what we decided to do is to follow the model that. Uh, it's been used by others, which is do IVF, do the whole thing, and just charge less. And the idea is that most that more people can walk in the door and do IVF if you don't charge as much. And after a while, you'll make up for it in volume and be able to support the activity of the center and the and the personnel and the all the facilities, right. costs, yeah. and so forth. So, so that's our uh, idea, and that's what we're trying to do. Because, as you know, 75% of people in this country who need IVF don't get it because of the costs. And I'm sure that's driving a lot of people to Dr. Yellian too, because he offers a very nice package. Uh, if it's three cycles, I think you said, uh, Dr. Yellian, that it's you have. A, is that a $10,000 package for three cycles? Is that what you're offering? That's correct. Okay. So you and I are both doing the same thing. We're just doing it differently. <laughs> because okay. for uh, for us, our our fee is seventy three ninety five, including anesthesia, and and the drugs are going to run the cost up to close to ten thousand in most cases, maybe a little nine in some younger patients. But so it's about the same dollar cost. And probably the same outcomes. Um, it, you'd have to factor in the frozens. If you factor in the frozens that we get in about a third of our patients, and the frozen cycles are, are cost around three thousand dollars. If you factor that in, I think the drugs would come out ahead. And now, but Joe, you know, just it a would, second. Let me stop hard. you. And- Joe, let me Go stop ahead. you because I want to make sure that we've that we're clear on the numbers. Okay. All right. Okay. Without drugs, your the the cycle at your clinic is is seventy three ninety five. So let's say seventy four. Okay. No, no. Yes, yes. And that's a that's one cycle. Okay. And then by the time we add the uh, the fertility medications 
and for our audience, uh, it's impossible to predict ahead of time exactly what they're, they're going to cost because each woman um, will take a different amount depending on her right. diagnosis, her age, or whatever. So let's right. say 9 to 10, roughly. I mean, it will be in total with the fertility minutes, right. uh, uh 9 to 10,000. Uh, right. So for round numbers, let's just say 10, even though we are knowing right. that we might be bumping it up a little. But then you also have what your goal in a traditional cycle will be to get one or two to transfer fresh, or nowadays some people choose not to do that. They choose, uh, in particular, if they're not transferring on exactly day five. But um, assuming that you get what you decide to do a fresh transfer, the goal is to still have some embryos that are left over that can be frozen for a frozen embryo transfer. Uh, and and that has to be factored in because either one, if the because it's part of the uh, the first cycle. If if in fact you get three embryos to freeze afterwards, that means that uh, and also let's say let's say you've got four embryos, which would be wonderful. You would then have um, likely the ability to to do IVF again without going through the cost of 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 uh, ovulatory stimulation, egg retrieval. Uh, and the medication. So, in other words, most of the cost of IVF you wouldn't have to do again. So uh, you would, however, have to uh, pay for the thawing and the transferring, and that's about 3000 Right. Okay. So about how many of your, uh, and this, I'm sure your uh, statistics are pretty much similar to all uh, clinics doing uh, uh, traditional IVF, how many of your patients end up with frozen embryos? I'm about a third. Okay. To a half. Well, and I'll tell you, some clinics it's higher, but it's higher because they are selective of what patients they are uh, willing to take. Uh, clinics that are open to accepting women um, who are in their upper 30s or um, are lower uh, or um, early 40s uh, will will probably, I would assume, uh, Dr. Massey, be in around the third. Would that be right? Well. The older ladies don't have frozens very often. Yeah, exactly. So that brings down the percentages. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, the 38 to 43-year-olds typically are not winding up with frozen embryos at all. Right. Right. So when you're you're in your mind uh, trying to come up with a cost comparison or just trying to figure out if you can afford this, uh, you have to factor in what the odds of you're getting um, uh, frozen. So what you're saying, if I understood you correctly, Dr. Massey, is that when you, if you assume one uh, frozen embryo transfer um, out of uh, one IVF uh, fresh cycle, uh, you'd be at around a total cost of around 13000 because you'd throw right. in the frozen embryo mm-hmm. transfer fee. But right. you then have the odds of success based on two cycles. Right. So, and young. Well, so in young patients, the first cycle is about forty percent success. Then, take the typical patient in the mid thirties, um, age group, forty percent success, and then cumulatively, you would have about sixty percent of those patients successfully pregnant, if you include their frozen's. So yeah, that does run it up to thirteen thousand, um, roughly, to accomplish that. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, yeah. So you, yeah. yeah. So that's an argument that you know. I guess, uh, Doctor Yellian, you're saying you get you're getting sixty percent of people. Are you getting what's your take-home baby rate per egg retrieval for for young the young patients? Never mind the diminished ovarian reserve patients. And, and let's define young as mid thirties and below. Let's say thirty-five year old, thirty-four. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, for that, uh, we define by it for uh, combined natural cycle IVF and uh, uh, minimum station IVF because we do not divide in for natural okay. cycle IVF or minimum station IVF. For okay. this combined group, the take-home baby rate is about 45%. And one egg, one cycle? One embryo transfer. So uh, we we are a little bit different than what are you guys comparison because uh, what we do is, uh, for example, a woman come here and uh, for do natural cycle IVF, and uh, quite often the this woman for even choosing their purchase for three natural cycle IVF package, they do not want to do uh, one egg retrieval one transfer right away because they are hoping spend ten thousand dollars they still can have some embryo for the second child. So for those women, they uh, do first egg retrieval, and we freeze the embryo. Then do second egg retrieval, freeze the embryo again. Do third egg retrieval, then we start to transfer. So if we transfer one embryo, uh, if patient has uh, two embryos, so she did have one embryo saved for the second child or for the second transfer. So for mm -hmm. those women, and so we are talking about the per embryo transfer, her the, uh, life birth rate is about 45%. Okay, so now what percentage of egg retrievals don't, wind up as a transfer because there's no embryo. That's a very good point. And uh, since we have a policy, and if we proceed with egg retrieval and uh, we do not get egg, or we proceed with egg retrieval, the egg was degenerated or egg is immature, we do not count as one cycle. So patient only pay $450 for procedure fee. Otherwise, uh, her credit for the one cycle, $5,000, still carry on for her next uh, egg retrieval. Oh, so really? the patient does not have to lose anything. Oh, that's very nice. Okay. So well, she has I'm an egg retrieval. I'm confused, though. So if, um, and I may have just missed something here. So with a traditional IVF cycle, uh, I think standard would be for one cycle, again, women in their below 35, 35 or below, would expect a 60% success rate. Now, that depending on the clinic, can cost a fair, you know, quite a bit more, but at least at Dr. Massey, at the Survey Massey Fertility Institute, as well as others that are uh, 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 focusing on lower-cost IVF, um, that would be, to get the 60%, we'd have to put in a frozen embryo transfer, uh, include that. So that's 60% success rate for 13000 And I'm confused as to, Dr. Yellian, am I understanding correctly that for the natural cycle, Although we probably, I realize now, need to throw in minimal stimulation because I think that uh, would. Uh, but before I do that, I'll finish my thought. For a natural cycle IVF, three 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 cycles of of uh, and then and then your success rate, live baby rate, would be forty five percent. I think I've missed something. Yeah, let me put this uh, the repeat one more time because Joe was asking and what's uh, the per cycle natural IVF? What is uh, the life birth rate? Uh, my my answer was uh, because of all the natural cycle IVF and the patient quite often when they come in they try to retrieve because they are paid for three cycle package, so they would like to do all the three egg retrieval at ahead of time. 
So when you do three uh, egg retrievals, if patient would accumulate the two or three embryos, then starting to transfer. So my answer was, uh, if uh, for those uh, patients, if you transfer single embryo transfer, the pregnancy rate will be, uh, the overall the success rate is about 45%. Okay, got it. So You are listening published- to Creating a Family. Today we're talking about lowering the cost of IVF. Creating a Family has the largest infertility and adoption communities on the social network, and we would love to have you join us. On Twitter, you can connect with us at Creating a Family, all one word. On Facebook, there are three ways. You can connect with me personally at dawn.davenport1. You can like our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Family. Or you can join our closed Creating a Family Facebook support group. Uh, It is closed so that what you post is not viewable by others outside of the group. And uh, we encourage you to, you can find that one, it's uh, uh, just by typing in the words Creating a Family in the Facebook search box. We would also love to have you on Pinterest. Uh, We have a really active Pinterest group uh, and I think 15 some odd infertility boards and it it is really one of the most fun places to hang out you can find us uh, on pinterest Uh, our name is creating a family and if you happen to be a google pluser uh, you can find us on google plus at creating a family as well Um, i think we need to get in before and and i I do want to come back to talking more about success rates because i think that's you know that's the uh that's the 64 million dollar question that's what everybody is concerned about um However, before we do that, uh, let's talk a little. Let's let's go ahead and get the other technique that we've not discussed, and that is minimal stimulation uh, IVF. Uh, so, Dr. Yellian, uh, we know natural means using no fertility drugs. Uh, what is minimal stimulation IVF? So, so-called minimum stimulation IVF, which means uh, this is a method between uh, natural cycle IVF and the conventional IVF, so which is in the middle ground. And for those patients in our center, obviously, uh, there's many different minimum stimulation IVF protocols. So in our center for minimum stimulation IVF, uh, typically at the goal is to collecting between two to four eggs. Because uh, we believe, and uh, if you use uh, less uh, fertility drugs and uh, uh, the less medication, and uh, overall, the egg quality is better. So for that reason, and we typically only give women, for example, a Clomid-only protocol. So those women, we only give Clomid and give them uh, 25 milligram a day and for 10 days or using 50 milligram of Clomid alone for the IVF process. By doing so, we can, uh, for many women, we can collect uh, between two to three eggs. And for uh, those women, then when you give Clomid, are uh, not responding very well, and this woman we get adding uh, one or two or three injections. So most of these injections should be 75 uh, international units of gonadal chopping uh, to 150 units of gonadal chopping. So basically, the maximum dose for cycle of the uh, mini station IVF using gonadal chopping is about uh, 450 international units. So which is uh, almost a day dosage for the conventional IVF. So uh, again, summarize with the uh, uh, minimum stimulation IVF, uh, mainly based on clomid, and plus uh, one to three gonadal chopping injections. The gonadal chopping dosage is about uh, 150 or uh, 75 to uh, 150 dose a day, and for two to three days. 
So that's the, what's the minimum solution IVF. So in most of patients, we're collecting uh, between two to four eggs, and uh, hopefully uh, one to two embryo results blasted. So those women has a very good chance to result the pregnancy by single blast stage embryo transfer. Mm-hmm. And is that is the uh, minimal stimulation uh, IVF? Uh, do you have a, uh, a, a three package, uh, uh, a three cycle package as well for a septoid? Yes, we do. Yes, and uh, for the minimum stimulation IVF, we offer a one cycle package. It's a, approximately seven thousand dollars. And the two-cycle package close to ten thousand dollars, and the three-cycle package is about twelve for uh, twelve thousand four hundred dollars, and that's the three-cycle package. And the, all the uh, previous talk discussed apply. So if a patient do not get an egg or egg is degenerated, and the, is, the cycle does not count. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I think we needed to get that on the table because when we're talking about success rates, uh, it may vary. Um, depending on whether we're talking mini stem, natural, or traditional. Um, so, what is the success rate for? And I guess we have to talk about whether it per package, a uh, three cycle package. I, I guess would probably be the best way to compare it. Well, uh, well, let me just ask the question, and you, you answer it the best way you can. What is the uh, uh, live birth rate for? Uh, minimal stimulation IVF? Uh, that's how it depends on the patient's age. So let's say uh, 35 years old woman and who choosing three-cycle uh, minimal stimulation IVF package, her last live birth rate should be reached about 65%. Uh, wait just a second. That's for an under 35-year-old, did you say? Uh, among, uh, yes. Okay. For, for, the, for three cycles? For I should put this back. And uh, for the three-cycle package, if a patient do uh, three egg retrieval and a three embryo transfer, her life birth rate will be much higher. But what I see in our clinic, the pregnancy rate for this age group is 65%, and the life birth rate should be per embryo transfer at least 45%. Okay. Okay. All right, so that's actually very similar then to a one-cycle success rate, Dr. Massey, if I'm understanding it correctly. Well, Uh, I don't quite understand either. Is that for two cycles or three cycles? I think it's three, right? He goes goes by transfers, so um, so, so it's hard to... We're trying to to be able to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges, and I'm struggling to understand how to do that. Uh, so, Dr. Massey, if you could help me, that would be great. Okay, so what is your take-home baby rate for? Do you know for people who do the three-cycle plan? Is it eighty percent? You think? For the woman at the uh, younger than yeah. thirty-five years old, yeah. take-home baby rate for the uh, uh, for the three-cycle package should be eighty percent or higher. That's very good. You know, I, I, I must commend you if you really can do that. That's wonderful. Um, because, now let me just sort of go back to the natural cycle a minute and just looking at the literature, because you don't seem to have the the data sorted out. So the natural cycle published pregnancy rates that I've seen 
the biggest series I ever saw that was a take-home baby rate was about nine and a half percent for natural cycles. If you looked at take-home baby rate per egg retrieval, okay, and then there was a another series published lately that was around seven percent from Europe somewhere. Um, so, but they're counting a little differently than you are because you're counting per transfer. But, I'm confused so, as well because I've seen the same statistics. That so, I've seen a little higher, but 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 very similar to what you're talking about, Dr. Massey. So I'm trying to figure out why anybody would do natural when it sounds like the in your center um, the minimal is way better. Well, uh, they might do natural not, for fear of the medication, where they're they're actively wanting to avoid the medication. That might be one reason. Yeah, that's ahead, correct. Because uh, there are several patients, and uh, the, for example, they already tried the conventional IVF, and uh, multiple cycles conventional IVF not successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those women, and they choosing natural cycle IVF, come here, and very often uh, one cycle or two cycle results take a home baby. And because of sometimes, uh, I always believe medicine uh, up to this time we should be personalized medicine or individualized mm-hmm. medicine. We cannot mm-hmm. offer patient, all the patients at the same uh, protocol because that's not the, the way uh, should be medicine works. So for that particular reason, and I uh, specialize to uh, tailor the, each patient with different protocol. And at right. least she has a specific uh, needs uh, for the certain treatment. And the uh, natural cycle IV, if it's truly a very good option for the woman, younger woman, has just a tubal disease or the male factor infertility, and you can just uh, receive one egg and the results of one embryo and have a good pregnancy rate. However, because of a natural cycle IVF, they require of the precision of the have a good fertilization rate. And uh, so those centers, you have to have a very good lab. And in our center, the uh, ICSI fertilization rate of a natural cycle IVF, which is the egg, is almost 98% which means almost every single egg can be fertilized. So that's the very uh, required for the lab has a precision for able to uh, have good results for the natural cycle IVF. And I do uh, understand that most of the natural cycle IVF uh, data collection was from very, uh, very old, a few, few or few 10 years ago. And now with uh, most of the advanced technology with uh, egg retrieval, with uh, uh, the precise of using lupron to trigger ovulation, and also the timing of the, uh, based on the LH level to determine uh, egg retrieval uh, the time, so to make the egg retrieval more successful, I think overall the chance of uh, natural cycle IVF success will be much higher now. Okay, I want to come back, and, and we've gotten a question from Tiffany, and I do want to ask that. But first, I, I want to say that you are listening to Creating a Family Let's talk about infertility and adoption. And I'd like to take a moment to thank another few of our gold sponsors and to remind you that it is through their generous support that we can bring you this show and all the resources that we provide on our website. We have Fairfax Cryobank. Fairfax has been a leader in sperm donation for over 20 years and is dedicated to supplying updated, verified, and accurate medical and personal information on their donors. We also have Nightlight Christian Adoptions. They are pioneers in offering embryo donation services to clients throughout the world with their Snowflakes Embryo Adoption Program. Uh, Tiffany's question, which uh, uh, we received, says, um, 
Thank you for all you do to provide such great information for those of us struggling. This show has been my lifeline. I'd like to get your guest's opinion on the use of stimulated or medicated IUI cycles. My sucky insurance covers this, but not IVF. Dr. Massey, um, each person's insurance is different. Uh, I have not heard that too many that cover just that, but what I have heard uh, quite a bit of is insurance that uh, will requires uh, patients to go through a certain number of IUI cycles before they will cover uh, a limited number of IVF cycles. Um, any thoughts uh, for uh, Tiffany? Uh, I suppose from the uh, keeping the cost down, there's no question that IUIs are less expensive. Although when you start throwing the medications in, it becomes uh, a little uh, a little closer. Any thoughts uh, for Tiffany on um, the use of? Uh, medicated IUI uh, versus going uh, straight to IVF. Yes, I think the the oral medication with IUI is a good strategy. Either letrozole or clomiphene. Letrozole or Fomara is much more in vogue for a variety of reasons. But uh, that's clearly a cost-effective thing for people to do who have normal tubal function and reasonably reasonable male factor. In other words, if the male is very low, then IUI is a bad choice. But let's just say over 10 million um, or no male factor, then almost everyone should try IUI before they do IVF because it's going to be more cost-effective for somebody, either them or their insurance company. And that's (laughs) why the insurance companies have, have mandated it when they're covering it is because they know that. And so, you know, uh, cost per, to, per baby uh, is much lower. Now, the only problem is, <clears throat> then the question becomes, how much do you do it? And at, at around three or four cycles of IUI, the number of people who are getting pregnant is has plateaued so that the successful patients are in that first few cycles and after that it probably isn't making sense it, it probably isn't a helpful treatment for those people so they should move on if they can dr massey you've but talked now, about using oral meds but what about yes. using injectable okay. meds all right well then the, then the problem is the cost effectiveness drops dramatically uh, and because you can spend two thousand dollars on the drugs and, and certainly in our center uh the way we've priced it, and I'm sure Dr. Yellen's the same way, it just doesn't make much sense to use the wonderful drugs that are very effective that I talked about in IUI cycles anymore. So um, I think the oral comes close enough in terms of success rates to be cost-effective, and the, and the injectables don't. And the other problem with the injectables is that there's an inevitable risk of high-order multiple pregnancies mm-hmm. It's such a high risk that no one in Europe ever, I don't believe, does gonadotropin IUI anymore. So, and that's because one three hundred thousand dollar set of triplets messes everything up for mm-hmm. the cost payer, whoever that is. So, so and and it, triplets are just triplets and beyond are just uh, a real high risk and the. It's it's not a huge risk percentage-wise, but if it happens to you, it's very 
it's a hundred percent. So, so we do very little of that. And Dr. Yellen, you probably don't do much either. Gonadotropin IUI. Yes, I agree. I don't do this uh, at all. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 what we preach over here at creating a family, it feels like all the time is you know we we must uh, everyone uh, it's in all of our interests because it's in children's best interest to not ha- have uh, uh, multiples and particularly higher order multiples, and the reality is that almost all uh, before Octomom I might have actually said all but <laughs> I can't say that now but um, uh, almost all of the you know quads and up are not from IVF, uh, but are from um, medicated uh, injectables, uh, IUI. Um, And then I wanted to talk some about uh, something that Dr. Yellian had mentioned, and I wanted to get, Dr. Massey, your opinion on this. Um, There, And I believe it was last year at the American Society of Reproductive Medicine Conference, but I could be off. It could have been the year before. There There was some research presented uh, talking about how the uh, gonadotropin drugs uh, affect egg quality, uh, and uh, that the idea being some people are feeling like you know less is not necessarily more. I mean, it's not necessarily or more is not necessarily better. That's the way I should say it. That in fact uh, a restrained use uh, might actually produce uh, higher quality eggs. Has that been supported by further research, Dr. Massey? Once you get Dr. Yellian to answer that, I was distracted. By, okay, not a problem. By, Dr. By, Yellian, oh, the, uh, the question the, the, is about uh, yes. the, egg, the effect on egg quality from if you if you're aiming for um, you know ten to, to get ten eggs versus aiming to get you know a fewer number, say five or less. Yeah, I think uh, the uh, study of this area still are uh, lacking, and uh, uh, there are a few. Uh, published studies showing uh, if you use more medication, uh, comparison of uh, uh, mild stimulation protocol, uh, the overall the embryo reached the blastest and is higher in the uh, less medication group. Mm-hmm. And also the pregnancy rate overall in the uh, less medication group is higher. And because in our center, we're doing 99% of uh, natural cycle IVF and the minimum station IVF. So in our center, it's a very do the comparison. And just to give you a brief data, in our center, for the month of March, just last month, we did a, a 64 embryo transfer and a 42 results of pregnancy, which is a, a 66% of pregnancy rate for per embryo transfer. And the most of this, uh, well, our age group is between uh, uh, 25 to 50. And so our average age in our center for that month is uh, 38.6. And uh, Embryo, number of embryo transfer in that group is 1.2 embryos. So most of the patients, we do single embryo transfer. So uh, because we have no comparison, it's hard for us to judge and uh, what this is uh, because the less medication truly produces uh, better quality embryos. Uh, so, Dr. Massey, what are you seeing? Is there, is there a movement in traditional IVF to uh, to not aim for the maximum number of eggs, but to to uh, uh, aim for whatever. I, mean, I, didn't, I don't know what the number would be at one point. Well, right. for 15, yeah, eggs, but I think yeah. that may be a little less now. Well, I guess the idea is if you could figure out a way to do it, you would tailor everybody's drug dose to their AMH and 
come up with the perfect amount of drug to get the best few eggs that are going to de develop into embryos because, as, as you know, we what we do is we push to get a lot of eggs, and we but we still never get a lot of embryos. <clears throat> so, um, I, so I don't really have a better answer to the, to the direct question than Dr. Yellian gave you, but I would say this. Um, one thing that is clear is uh, sort of the American way of doing IVF in a lot of centers is, well, if you don't like the number of eggs, just give them more drugs. And right. It's that's, that is, quite, yeah. that's quite clear that that isn't helping, and as Dr. Yellen has suggested, it's probably hurting in some cases. So, so to my knowledge, uh, about... 300 units of drug is about the most that anybody can prove really has any beneficial effect in giving optimal or the maximum number of drugs. We frequently go a little bit higher than that to 375, but a lot of centers um, and the older ladies will give them 300-300. Now, the jargon of the numbers don't make sense to people who've never been through IVF among your listeners, but the ones who have understand what I'm talking about. Exactly. They'll um, know what, believe me, most of them know. <laughs> so the so the, the huge drug doses are really not helping them. They're just wasting money, and we like to think of everything in terms of outcomes and babies per dollar. So it just isn't helping. So it's, And I think it's, Dr. Yellian's right, it's probably really counterproductive to do that. All right, so for people listening, they're hearing and they're saying, okay, well, you've now mentioned uh, two clinics. You've got one in Georgia. You've got one in Southern California. What does, you know, wh what are our options? If I live in uh, Topeka or if I live in, um, you know, wherever, uh, what are the options for people who want to explore either clinics such as uh, Dr. Massey, the Survey Massey uh, Clinic, where uh, you are charging less and really focusing on uh, the cost so that uh, more people can afford it, or uh, for uh, Dr. Yellian's clinic uh, uh, in California, which is focusing on uh, uh, minimal stimulation or uh, natural. Where can other people... Uh, do you do they travel to your clinics, or are there clinic are there more clinics like your two clinics uh, available in the U.S. Uh, Dr. Yellian, I'm going to start with you, and then I want to, Dr. Massey. I'd like for you to address uh, where people can find clinics such as yours. Go ahead, Dr. Yellian. Uh, in our center, we have very well established uh, for the uh, out of state of patients. So uh, one third of my patients came from outside of the California and. Uh, even outside of the country. So many patients uh, live in different states. And just recently we have a patient came from Paris and who uh, I led her to monitor in Paris and study medication in Paris and then fly here uh, just to egg retrieval. And then uh, she fly back in the next couple of days after egg retrieval. So then we freeze embryo. Then sex, uh, the next month she came back and then we transfer embryo. Then she uh, fly back. So we have very uh, well established system to accommodating for the patient from out of state. And uh, we even do the uh, uh, phone consultation with the 
uh, the, the video uh, consultation, and the patient can be monitored in the local office and to do uh, all the medication in the local office, then only fly here for egg retrieval and the embryo transfer. So the patient can stay in town only by one to two days. But if they would like to, uh, to spend a few days in the beach on the Southern California, that would be a wonderful experience for, the, for those people. So, uh, that's well, but I, I think, though, that if we're, if you, given the nature of certainly the natural, but even the minimal, many stem, minimal stimulation, it's going to, uh, to get uh, the number of embryos, they would have to come back. You're, well, the, the packages are three, are three cycles, so uh, at, at a minimum, they would come back three times. So that uh, certainly alters the economics. Um, if, uh, as opposed to if they're traveling just for one standard cycle, then uh, they they will end up with more embryos and only one travel cost. I think we would have to throw out the, I mean, throw in at least the idea that that travel issues are are something to consider. Dr. Massey, what about uh, for uh, uh, clinics that are practicing the traditional IVF but doing it uh, using um, but charging less for it? Where can people um, find other clinics, or do they need to uh, travel? I think the simplest answer is to Google low-cost IVF, and the clinics that are providing these kinds of services will pop up. And I yeah. know Dr. Yellen has a sister clinic in St. Louis. They did the same thing he does, and there's one in New York. And upstate New York uh, has uh, CNY New York that has low-cost really pioneered low-cost regular IVF. I worked there a couple of years. Uh, There's a clinic in Florida that's priced uh, very similar to ours. So they're scattered around the country. So Google is a good way to find them. And then some travel travel might work. Well, that's true. I mean, quite frankly, if – especially if you can combine travel with um, a vacation or whatever, um, it, it actually might work. And uh, as most of the listeners here know, uh, IVF, our uh, infertility clinic success rates, are, are maintained by the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology and the Center for Disease Control. You can, uh, we have all the links to those and, and, and and we also have uh, an explanation of how to interpret the statistics on our site uh, under infertility resources. If you have enjoyed our show and want to help us grow, we would really appreciate it if you would rate this podcast on iTunes. You need to. You can get to iTunes if you have it on your computer or your phone. Just go to iTunes and look up Creating a Family and you can rate us. Uh, or you can go to creatingafamily.org slash radio show, click on the iTunes button, and it will take you to the rating page. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank Yellian and Dr. Joe Massey, for being our guest today on Creating a Family. If you want to participate in a discussion of the topics of this show, check out my blog tomorrow at creatingafamily.org slash blog. To get more information on the Survey Massey Infertility Institute, you can go to their website, IVFGA, as in IVF Georgia, so IVFGA. Com. To get more information on Life IVF Center, you can go to their website, which is easy, lifeivfcenter.com. Thanks for joining us today, and I will see you next week.
Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.